This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 56, recorded June 8th, 2011. The Sabbath Rest. Welcome to Prayer Room Companion. I am your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm back with us once again, live from <laughs> Brookings, South Dakota. Uh, Andrew Dickens. Uh, you frying bacon on the other end of this that, uh, connection? That, no, Father, that's the oh. whole wave your hands in front of your mouth to make the crowd noise. Oh, it's just, it sounds like frying bacon. Oh, okay. Well, I do like bacon, but I'm not frying any bacon. Who doesn't like bacon? Acts 10 <laughs> So, what a fitting, fitting way to uh, you- start our podcast together, Father. Do you, do you know Acts ten seven? Not off the top of my head, no. Okay, is that where uh, Peter, Peter I'm has the vision on right on the rooftop, um, etc., etc. I bet right. The tarp coming down from heaven, yep. being held at the four corners by angels, with every living creature on it, and it says to them, "What God has declared clean, man shall not declare unclean." There we go. Rise, Peter, slaughter and eat. Slaughter and eat. Birthday last week. <laughs> and that's the bacon. Yay, bacon! Bacon. So, wow. Uh, Father, just in case you haven't had a chance to listen to, because I know you listen typically to all the podcasts when you've been gone. Uh, uh, I don't know what two weeks ago, but last week was uh, Deacon Anthony Urban. Uh, we talked We talked with you a couple weeks before that about... Um, your retrospective uh, on uh, ordination, and this was his um, prospective on ordination, looking ahead to his priestly ordination. So, uh, so we had a nice conversation. Question. Question. Answer. Are you trying to replace me? Uh, no. I. What? You're shopping for replacements. What are you talking about? Why would I do that? What was the week before? Oh, no, two weeks ago was with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're shopping for replacements. Aren't no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, we've got our rapport down. You know, we've got our podcast groove on. Why would I want to go and have to do this all over again with somebody else? <laughs> because it might be less painful. <laughs> no. So, uh, so what you're saying is you're looking for some sort of like rest or relaxation for me. Is that what it is? Ooh, teeing up the segue. So. Father right. Andrew and I were talking about what to talk about, and we talked and decided in our talk. Uh, you know, summer is, of course, upon us, although not technically speaking for for uh, a couple more weeks, I guess. Um, summer vacation is upon many people. Summer vacation is upon us, that's right. And so, it's, of course, uh, for, for many Americans, as part of our just cultural habit in the summer, school's out for the summer. And we, uh, we, we travel, we vacation. Uh, we don't necessarily rest <laughs> because I, Father and I both had obligations here the last few days. We're actually recording a day later than normal, recording on Thursday the 9th. Um, I was, I was visiting, visiting family for about five or six days, and I think I got less sleep than normal, um, which is funny how that happens on vacation, Father. Not all that funny at all. I just uh, it seems I think it's very typical, isn't it? I, I took a family vacation back in March, and I was like, I need a vacation after this vacation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so summer vacation. Um, 
the idea is to at least rest and relax. But, of course, that really, uh, Father, has uh, biblical roots. It's not just because we're lazy and fat Americans. There's actually a biblical directive to rest, right? But we are lazy and fat. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> yes, there is a biblical perspective of the Sabbath rest. I was, uh, two weeks ago when you were played, two weeks ago, one week ago, one week ago? Yep. One, a week ago, when you were uh, hunting for my replacement, interviewing uh, replacement uh, Ordinandi. Absolutely. Uh, I uh, uh, was teaching our Totus Tuus missionaries for the summer. Uh, Totus Tuus is a program uh, in many dioceses, well, I mean, in several dioceses in the United States. There's a lot of dioceses. And they go around, they do uh, essentially a summer uh, Bible school program, Sunday school program for students at parishes, with, uh, different curriculum each year. And so I'm teaching these college students, and this year the curriculum is on salvation history. Okay. Salvation history. And so it's kind of fun looking at that, although how there's connections between... Um, Connections between, from the very beginning, from creation and Adam into Noah and to Moses and to David, to all these kind of important figures of the Old Testament, to Abraham, kind of reaching its culmination, its high point in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so just have these beautiful connections. One of the most beautiful things about this is this whole idea of the Sabbath. The Sabbath. Okay. And so we thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about that, just definitely in terms of summer then too, and what exactly it's... God created a desire in your heart to rest, to relax. So the question is, how do you do it in a biblical way? Right. You know, and is this something that's just uh, a militant application, uh, a militant application of uh, no work, no going to restaurants, no making anyone else work unnecessarily on Sundays, as well as going to Mass, or is there a deeper invitation in Sabbath and this rest or this relaxation that God actually calls us to biblically. Okay. So, uh, you sound like you're just kind of resting over there, Dr. Birdwell. Uh, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd take this opportunity to uh, rest in uh, yes. uh, the Lord's presence. Uh, no, so yeah, I, I, I was, I was, you, this is, any this is why I'm trying Okay. Do, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. This is why we. Do, for many reasons, you should be happy that this is only an audio podcast. Most of all, it should have been. You should be slightly disappointed that you didn't get to see Dr. Bergwald relaxing there while I was talking about the Sabbath rest. Apparently, uh, it was a sacramental discussion because it affected what it signified. That's right. Leaning back in the chair. No, see, this is why we can't take so many weeks off because, you know, we, uh, we're out of sync. You know, I, I'm just waiting for you to wax eloquently, but apparently you actually want me to contribute. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, okay. So I guess I will contribute. No, the, where I, I was curious to see, in all seriousness, I was waiting to see if you were going, where are you going to begin with it? So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to throw something out and, and we'll roll with it. You know, beginning at the beginning, the, the thing, when we think about the seventh rest, one of the things that, um, sometimes you hear, relatively speaking, a lot about, um, is, okay, so God creates. Genesis chapter one, God creates everything. Um, uh, and then, but on chapter seven, um, chapter 7. On the seventh day, 
he rests. And, and I think sometimes people take a facile, superficial look at that and say, well, what a silly anthropomorphic view of God that the Bible has, at least in Genesis chapter 1. He Says kicks up his shoes, he grabs a six-pack. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, it was long, six days of work. Not quite that superficial, but... It's <laughs> working for the weekend. Exactly. It's Friday, Friday. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um... That, that, that God needs to roll up. How can God get tired? I mean, what what is this nonsense? I mean, how how does God get tired? So so what's what's your response to that, Father? Well, the response is that this is uh, this rest. This uh, uh, isn't so much a exhaustion or a need for physical restoration. This rest is the peacefulness that comes of, or maybe more proper term, is satisfaction. You know that God in Himself is complete. God is of no need of creation itself to complete him. He creates rather so that the world created reality, angels, stones, people, trees, everything else can live in his complete satisfaction, can live in his perfection, can live and rest in the fact that he is who he is. So as Jesus says, um, let's see, Ah, eons later, uh, the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. Uh, Pardon? Right? Are you you, you converting that? I don't think so. Sabbath was made for the, yeah, Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, yeah, who's the systematic theologian? Who's the biblical guru here? Come on. Well, I haven't really seen anything like systematically sparkling from you lately either. <laughs> no, but so, it's, so, but what you were saying about the Sabbath—it's, it's, it's, it's for creation. It's not for God. When you look at it again superficially, it looks well. What's God got to take a breather now after all the heavy lifting of creation? But no, he, he he's setting a pattern there, which is for us to emulate, to follow. Well, not just a pattern, but this is the point. Well, this yeah, is the purpose yeah. of all creation is to rest in his goodness, to to live in his goodness. You know, if you look then further on in Genesis, you know, going on to chapter three in the fall, uh, labor in that sense, and, and the toil of labor, I should say, the toil of work, the burden of work doesn't enter until sin. You know, Adam, Adam was to uh, cultivate the garden. Right. But that cultivation was one of leisure and one that I was always satisfactory that there was no, I think, you know, that existential angst <coughs> to go all German to go as if that's a little more systematic for you. Yeah, genau. No existential angst about, you know, this this work doesn't seem to be sad. I mean, how many people have had jobs? Maybe, well, there's summer jobs. I mean, God bless you, the job you're in now where you're just banging your head on the wall or against the shelf that is just so burdensome. Right, and it, I'm glad you brought that up. You, you and I had talked before the podcast. I think one thing that we, not you, you can't go too far in, uh, in in reflecting upon the nature of the Sabbath rest. One might go too far and conclude that work is evil, and that's not the case. As you just, as you noted, um, 
Adam was put in the garden prior to the fall to keep it, to till it, to cultivate it. Uh, and, and, and the church, particularly in the last century uh, or so, well, I shouldn't say particularly. I know that, for instance, John Paul II wrote an encyclical on the dignity of human work, Laborum Exertions. Uh, so the church has, has certainly upheld and extolled the dignity of all forms of human work as part of our human vocation. Uh, but, 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 it's even though it was there before the fall, even though that's part of uh, uh, the uh, prelapsarian human condition, it's not intended to be our final goal, the culmination of our existence. That instead is, as you've been saying, to rest in the Father, with the Father. Exactly, and that's that's <clears throat> it's interesting then because you can when you start to look at the Sabbath in this way, you start to read the Old Testament. You can see how these strains um, uh, repeat themselves and build upon themselves and develop themselves in this way. Especially, I'm just thinking right now of uh, in uh, Exodus and uh, in, in the later part of the Pentateuch in the covenant with Moses, how he instructs the Jewish people to give a Sabbath rest to the land. You know, and the Jew mm-hmm. every seven years is to be a jubilee. You know, and every every uh, to give to give to release debtors uh, from prison, to let your slaves out of slaves because of debt be free. Right. You know, to forgive debt, and then the jubilee of jubilees every fifty years. You know, every Sabbath, the Sabbath of Sabbaths. You know, seven times seven, every forty nine years. They were even supposed to have one year to not till the land. Ooh. To even give the land. Arrest. So the land itself, the holy land, the promised land, God's own land that he gave to the Jewish people, that it itself was to receive that sort of peace. Okay, so so what is the nature? So early on, you sort of, if you applied militantly, da, 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 sort of set up an opposition of maybe a false sense of rest to what a, what a truer sense, a deeper sense of rest might be. So it's not just, you know, sort of, again kicking back and doing nothing, uh, but it's not being... Um, you could be overzealous in your observation, uh, observance, observance of the, of the Sabbath rest as well. So what, what is the true nature of the Sabbath rest? Well, the true nature... Well, then the, the, the day itself... Now, of course, as Christians, we believe that our Lord has turned all things new in himself, and so now we... Um, live on the uh, Sabbath rest is the first day of the day that he rose from the grave. Right. Which would be a whole other conversation uh, for any of the Sabbath day Adventists that are listening. And then, uh, but so that, that, that the Sabbath, the Sunday rest is to be a sign, a reminder for us, uh, a physical, a pedagogical tool, right? Just like as you as a father do things to make your children remember different things. You know, this is the way we tie our shoes, tie your shoes. I mean, it's just, Right. So it's it's to learn proper safety of footwear, and um, <laughs> the Sabbath and the Sunday rest is to remind us that we're supposed to live all days in a spiritual resting in the Father. And so the command to take break from work, to go to mass, to contribute to the works of the poor, to do um, uh, actions of grace in that way, uh, those are all strong reminders. Um, are, are meant to teach our heart rather something greater. So let's keep on these teaching. Let's keep on level those teaching tools maybe before we go to that greater spiritual meaning of Sabbath. Yeah. Would that be okay? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So 
Yeah, Sunday should be you know two things, three things really, right? Sunday mass, a day of rest in some way, and a day of prayer or works of charity. Okay. I think that's I think three three good things to keep in mind. So of course the Sunday mass. Now whether you celebrate on the vigil of the Sunday or on Sunday day or Sunday night, but you celebrate the Sunday mass. You know, and of course we've talked about this too. That doesn't require you uh, to go. Uh, to Holy Communion. So if you're in a state of sin and you're not able to go to communion, you're not violating the Sabbath by not going to communion, yep. but you go to Mass and to spiritually partake in the Mass, to pray, to be actively praying. That doesn't mean you have to serve or doesn't mean you have to do jumping jacks. You know, Actively praying just means that your heart and your mind are engaged. Um, and you know, maybe you can think about this kind of stereotypical husband and wife. Right, where she's talking, she's talking about something important, and he's there, mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm, yeah, oh, yep, yep. She says, now, what did I just say? <laughs> uh, right. And so we would be there in Mass, and, you know, and also with you, we lift them up to the Lord. Um, but we really don't know what's being said. Right. So to be actually partaking. Any thoughts on that? Uh, well, oh. I, <laughs> I was just like this podcast, you mean, kind of. Um, I wasn't going to say that. Uh, but I, no, it, it, I'm we, watching you. This is video Skype. <laughs> I, I, then the, I'm, I'm uh, as, as Father knows, I'm, I'm uh, helping out with some workshops we're doing around the diocese on the, the new translation of the Roman Missal, which will begin uh, using the first Sunday of Advent, so Saturday, November 26th at 4, 4, 4.30 or 5 or five thirty p.m., depending when your vigil mass is, uh, and, and talking, but and using this, and Bishop Swain is very much, um, uh, he's per, he, he wants us to use, to take this opportunity to, to remind us of the nature of the Holy Mass uh, and what the Mass is all about. So, and, and of course, I've doing, been doing some other teaching during Lent and, and then during May on the Mass and, and on the Eucharist and reminding people of something. You talk about actively praying, you know, Vatican II talking about active participation. As, and as you said, Father, it's not, that doesn't mean we're doing jumping jacks or serving, to use your examples, but we're actively praying. And I really like that. I mean, really, that's a, if you wanted to paraphrase what Vatican II meant, and, and to clarify some misunderstanding when it talked about active participation, I think that phrase, active praying, would be a great synonym. Uh, a synonymal phrase, synonymal phrase, whatever, a uh, phrase that says what, what really Vatican II was about, that we're engaged. I think the word you're looking for is the source. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Maybe I'm uh, help. <laughs> um, but we're engaged in our mind and our heart and our soul and right. what's going on. That we're not just spectators at Mass, that we right. are participants at Mass. And Sunday Mass, you know, I, this, this, is, uh, this reflects poorly upon me, but that's all right, because I am great in humility. Uh, yes. <laughs> Exalted humility. Several, several years ago, uh, when I, 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 I had... Uh, been Speaks in, exalted one. The been in the habit of of uh, daily mass almost daily, and I got in this funny, really funny frame of mind that well, I'm going to mass every day. I mean, what? So what if I miss a Sunday? <laughs> I know, but this really gets at as and, and and this was not at all deliberate on my part. It really fits in with our topic, the theme for today. Um, it's uh, Sunday, and Sunday Mass, 
is is the pinnacle of the week. It, it, it culminates the week before, and and it, it provides sustenance and nourishment for the week ahead, the week to come, the week that it is beginning. Um, and, and it is different. I mean, if I go, it's, it's so much it, of the high point of the week that was source, and it's like the source of all that flows in the week to follow. Something like even the daily masses that you go to flow from that Sunday. The Sunday, exactly. Uh, so that obviously a, a warped and skewed frame of mind that I was in at that time because Sunday is different and participation in Sunday Mass is if, if the liturgy and the Mass in a particular way is the source and summit of the Christian life as Vatican II says, then the Sunday Mass in particular way, again as we are just saying, is the source and summit of our Christian life within the context of our week but, Yeah Beautiful, so the Sunday Mass the second part of the Sabbath then would be uh, that Recreation that rest from labor in that sense, and now this isn't so. Sometimes you know there's unavoidable work. You know certainly I mean a doctor. It's good to keep people alive, things like that. Right. Um, and you know I'm, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds. You know because we could talk about um, uh, the different ways that um, that people need to uh, work to sustain families, especially maybe some difficult economic times. But the same thing, you should try to abstain from work. My dad was great at this. You know, eight o'clock Saturday night, you know, he'd be done. He was always a night worker. Eight o'clock Saturday night, he'd be done, and he wouldn't really do anything until about eight or nine o'clock on Sunday night again, when he'd kind of do his last little bit of preparation as a college professor for his Monday morning classes. Um, so that, but also, it should be a time of leisure in the sense of being with family, with friends, with loved ones. You know, if you don't have a family yet, being with friends. Being with Christian friends, that time for deliberate Christian fellowship. I think a beautiful thing to call to mind here would be Psalm 133, uh, where uh, uh, David prays, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live in unity. It is like oil flowing down the head of Aaron, you know, running down into his beard and on, uh, upon the collar of his robe. And so in the Christian life, we need to seek that fellowship as part of our leisure with fellow Christians, with men and women who desire the same things we do, with other families that are trying to raise Catholic Christian families. Otherwise, we just we can't do it. We need that sort of rest. Just as your body needs sleep, your soul needs that sort of leisure and rest. Oh, I, I, sorry. What? Uh, what? <laughs> so how... How well I'm going to give you as you're saying this I was reminded of something. So this Sunday we're celebrating Pentecost. Um, yep. And and I, I uh, several weeks ago I thought I was thinking about how we as Catholics can as Christians uh, in general can build up Catholic or Christian culture in our country and and why don't we? I thought well why don't we for some of the great feasts of the year uh, get together. Uh, with other Catholic families. And I thought, that'd be great to do for Pentecost. And I've got four days to do something like that. But but along the lines of what you're just saying, and, that, and, and, and you're saying, of course, not just on the great feasts and solemnities, uh, but on every every Sabbath, every Sunday. Every Sunday, yeah. So that's one of the things my college students are great about, and a bit of that is just the freedom of college. Of course, they all think they're busy until they get in the real world. God bless them. But the... Uh, uh, but they're, they're great at doing that, and I love it. It's inspiring, and I hope that they, they continue to seek that out uh, as they go out into the business world and then as they go into their vocations of marriage or whatever religious vocation it might be. But to seek that, and put that out in a purposeful way. Right. So, okay, now, now 
that's sort of, on the one hand, what you can do, but in terms of what you can't do, and, and we already, you, you alluded to um, the obvious ways in which you might, uh, quote-unquote, violate the Sabbath rest. But again, at the beginning of the podcast, you sort of teased um, an overzealous application um, of the uh, Sabbath rest. So how can you take this too far? Well, I think, um, you know, I mean, uh, you could go, you could become, uh, in that sense, kind of uh, the Pharisee policing things about this way, trying to ensure that your fellow Catholic uh, doesn't go too far. That you, I, did, did I see your car parked at Perkins and you were causing those poor people to work at Perkins and you're supporting them in that way? You know, I think you'd make a good effort to avoid that, but sometimes, you know, uh, best efforts don't work out that way. And so I just, I'm, I'm, I'm cautionary of saying that, you know, you should never uh, uh, drive your car. You should never uh, buy anything at any store on Sunday because then you're encouraging that culture where they work on Sunday. So maybe a, a prayerful prudence in terms of, you know, um, outside of your home, so to speak. How you, how you... I, I think the thing would be to seek out those positive good things of Christian fellowship in a natural way. You know, I mean, cooking together and eating together. It's just as much fun as going to a restaurant and eating together. In fact, I think it's even more fun is going, you know, being together yourselves, you know, cooking, cooking breakfast, cooking brunch for, you know, a couple families getting together, potluck style, whatever it might be. Sure. And I think that's even more fun, and it's economically um, more appealing in these uh, day in this day and age. Absolutely. Uh, but so I think that's uh, you know, I mean, who has potlucks anymore, anyways? I mean, they're kind of that's oh, let's just order pizza. So. <laughs> Uh, I think you kind of seek out maybe that positive um, example that way and that experience on your own of entering into um, that rest and that fellowship, I think will really help to guide um, some of those experiences. Great. Yeah. So, that's two. Two, and then number three. Do you remember what number three is? No, I fell asleep. Are you serious? No. So what's number three? I don't remember what number three is, but I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> Well, I just remember the exact way that I phrased it. And so, uh, <laughs> so that's what I was hoping, you know. Uh, so we have, uh, first of all, Sunday Mass. Oh, and then works of charity. And so it should be a time, you know, and one of the things you can do together in that fellowship, in that leisure, in that actual rest from labor, and that family time should be a rest from labor, unless, of course, maybe your family is a little crazy like mine. Love you, Mom. Bro. Um, but so... Uh, um, but the works of charity. So going to visit people, going to visit the sick, you know, going to visit the elderly, maybe getting in contact with your parish and finding out, are there widows, widowers around that are lonely? You know, can we go visit them? Can we go make um, visits to them? And I think th- that's a beautiful thing to do on the Sunday. And that's also part of the reason why we do our tithing, you know, and I know a lot of people do the auto withdrawal, but I think it's good in some ways. And as a pastor, I am a proponent of the auto withdrawal because it keeps people regular in their giving. Um, but uh, to be able to do those sort of works of charity. So, I think that's third one is one that's probably um, forgotten or not known by by many people. You know, we think of mass and we think of well, I'm supposed to rest today, but the idea of of taking it or making it a, a, an opportunity to do works of charity is one that's I think ne- well neglected, so to speak. Very much so. I think um, you know, especially. Um, Partially because, you, in an odd twist, you have to work at it. 
Right. Uh, although any of these things you have to work at. You have to work at going to Mass. Uh, you have to make that effort. You have to work at finding deliberate Christian fellowship fraternity. Um, you have to work then at finding ways that you can be charitable. Right. You know, in that sense. And so I think that's certainly a reason why, though, but this one uh, gets neglected a bit. So, so those are the, sort of the three, as you said, the practical teaching tools, so to speak, that the, that Sunday, that Sabbath day can remind us of. And yet you had alluded to the deeper spiritual reality as well that, that lies even right. deeper. I think as we go into all three of these things together then, it's that invitation then to realize that God is God. And this is really the ultimate posture of Christian worship, of Christian life, restoring uh, the sin of the fall in that sense, uh, uh, the fall of Adam. Uh, in which uh, we made ourselves like God, mm. judging for ourselves what is good and evil. But when we enter into Sabbath rest, you know, it takes a certain humility, O oh, exalted humble one. It takes a certain humility to say that I am not the determiner of my own pace. You know, maybe something, and maybe some things won't get done. You know, so to this day, we're um, through Blackberries and other mobile devices, mobile working, that some people are taking work home with them in an right. unprecedented way. Right. Um, you know, uh, so I think to be focused and deliberate in that way is just a beautiful thing. You know, one thing I um, I just I recalled there's a the, the the magazine First Things, which isn't explicitly Catholic. It's it's uh, uh, broadly Christian and, and has considerable Jewish um, influence as well. Uh, one of the the online editor for First Things now, his name is Joe Carter. He's an evangelical, but months, several months ago, maybe maybe um, nearly a year ago, he uh, had a brilliant idea along the lines of what you're just speaking that I tried to emulate with varying degrees of success. But he he takes he makes his Sabbath rest a digital Sabbath rest, <laughs> where he from Saturday evening. Through yep. Sunday evening, uh, sort of unplugs and, and makes that known to people. So if they need to get a hold of them, him, uh, they can call him or whatever. But he turns off his cell phone. He doesn't check his email. Doesn't get online mm-hmm. uh, for exactly. I think in our day and age, as you were just saying, where we are so plugged in, uh, we're so accessible. We take so much of our work home for evenings, weekends, or whatever. Yeah. Um, to to be able to disengage from that and really enter into what we've been talking about the Sabbath rest more fully, I think I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, it's a beautiful idea. And then the spiritual application again is to remember that God is God and I am not. Right. And yet we are called. This beautiful line I think that kind of sums this up uh, on the spiritual journey. It comes from a book by a French Franciscan, Eloy Leclerc. Okay. Uh, Eloy Leclerc, E-L-O-I-L-E-C-L-E-R-C or Q. And uh, it's called, uh, you can find it published on a couple different titles. Uh, the Wisdom of the Pavarello is the printing I have. Um, there's a new printing out of it that calls it The Wisdom of the Poor One of Assisi. Uh, and in there, there's a line uh, where he says, uh, you know, it is not in struggling that man succeeds, but in adoring. It's not in struggling that man succeeds, but in adoring. The one who adores knows that there is only one all-powerful one. God is God. The man who adores knows that God is God. God is. That is enough for him. Hmm. I... You don't happen to know the reference. I know you know the book. You, you just you read that. Did you did you read that, or did you just come off the top of your head with that? No, I, I, I've said it enough and read enough that I know it. Wow. Uh, 
well, sometimes, I'd like to get the reference for that, but we don't need to. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. That's it is. It is. Uh, they actually have it for sale down at Broomtree. Okay. The okay. book. So if they sell copies. Very good. So. All right. Well, I'm tired. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm hungry. And I could go for a nap. <laughs> no, I, I just think again, as, as we said at the outset. I mean, as as we enter into this time of summer vacation, that remembering what the nature of rest is is is. Uh, in some ways more important than ever in this day and age, as we were just saying, with being plugged in all the time. So I'm glad we were able to discuss this and look at the, the biblical roots and, and how we might live it out, practically speaking, today. So It's a beautiful invitation and one that's very needed in any day and age. Amen. Amen. All right, Father. Well, uh, I think that about does it for this week. Uh, we will be back together again next week, I trust. Yes. So, yay. Uh, yay for our listeners, too, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Poor listeners. All right, that does it for this week in Prayer Room Companion. We'll be back once again next week. Thank you and God bless. <laughs>